Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. More than 1 billion people around the world visit TikTok every month. But with immense growth comes scrutiny and competition. In this episode of the David Rubenstein Show, Peer-to-Peer Conversations, I sit down with TikTok CEO Shozi Chu to discuss TikTok's future and also find out if I could become TikTok famous. Now, I am older than many of your TikTok followers, I believe. I, maybe you have some people my age, but my impression is it's for younger people. Is that wrong? There is really something for everyone on TikTok. I would, I would uh, have you installed TikTok yet, David? Well, I, I'm not an expert on TikTok. I have looked at it, but I haven't seen anything that you know looks like me. I think you may be surprised. Uh, for, for example, for example, there is something called book talk on, on TikTok. It is a hashtag, and it really is a trend where people share short videos on their favorite books, and. You'd be surprised how many views they have. We have 40 billion views on book talk alone. Uh, there, there are many other categories. There is clean talk, which is about people cleaning, 30 billion views. You know, I personally am a very amateur golfer. Uh, hashtag golf has more than 10 billion views on TikTok as well. So I believe there is something for everyone. The, the way we want to present this is we have a machine learning recommendation engine, which personalizes uh, your experience when you use TikTok. And we believe there's something for you as well. Okay, so can anybody put a video on uh, TikTok? Yes, very easily. All right. How do you control if somebody puts something on that's dangerous or pornographic or, or not appropriate? Uh, this is a great question. One of the most important things that I have been focusing on uh, since I took on the role nearly a year ago is on the safety of our platform. It's something we take absolutely seriously and we have elevated this as a top priority for myself and for the company. We put a significant amount of investment into it, uh, and we believe that we need to continue to invest in trust and safety to stay ahead of our growth because of the growth of the platform. So for example, making sure that, making sure that our community guidelines, which are published transparently online, are well understood by our users, making sure that we have the tools and the capabilities to ensure a safe environment, a safe and inclusive environment on our platform so that our users feel, feel, like, feel, feel like it's a trusted environment to, to publish and to inspire the creativity they want to. So let's suppose I want to be a TikTok person, I want to be on TikTok, but I have to make a living. Um, can I make a living by just being on TikTok? Are there people that make a living just by being on TikTok? Most of our users come on TikTok to, to share how they feel and to to inspire, you know, to, to inspire the world. Uh, but there are people who come on TikTok, and this is something we're extremely proud of. Um, we have enabled them, we have given them the platform and the tools to actually make a proper living. And most of these are small businesses or individuals. I can give you an example. I have been looking at my own TikTok recently, and 
I saw this video on TK's Surf and Turf. It is a restaurant in Denver. I think it's the first black-owned, family-operated seafood restaurant in Denver. Uh, what I've heard is during the pandemic, uh, business was poor for a lot of restaurants, including them. Uh, but what, uh, what one creator did was to create videos on what, you know, how great the restaurant was. It became an overnight sensation. It went viral. And now business is booming for, for that company. So, and there are thousands upon thousands of examples like that across the US and, and across the world. And we're, you know, this is something that we are immensely proud of, that we have a platform that small businesses can uh, make use of to, get, to grow their business. Well, let's suppose I want to be a TikTok uh, performer and I want to get paid for it. Do I do something that says, oh, this restaurant is great and hopefully the restaurant will pay me? Is that how people get paid by being on TikTok? There are several mechanisms to do it. The first is if you become, if you have enough followers, certain brands will get in touch with you, either through us or otherwise, to, for you to represent their brand. So you become their brand ambassador. So that's one way some of our creators get paid. Beyond that, we have provided them with tools to monetize, you know, to get in touch with their followers and to monetize that, that, that as well. For example, uh, we have a live streaming service. So as a creator, you can, you can launch, you can have a live streaming session and that is an exclusive, exclusive session where you can interact with your followers and uh, your followers can give you virtual gifts and that's one way you can monetize. The other example is e-commerce. We provide our creators with the tools to be able to sell merchandise on the platform as well. This is still a new part of our business, but it's something that people are very, very excited about. Well, how do you make money then? In other words, somebody goes on TikTok and they're making money for this restaurant in, in Denver. How do you make any money? We make money primarily through advertising and also uh, providing services like live streaming and e-commerce to our users. And we, uh, we do have a service fee that, that we charge to provide those services. But if somebody just uploads their video on TikTok, do they pay you a fee for that or not? No, it's absolutely free. Are there companies now that specialize in making people TikTok stars? Somebody says, I want to be on TikTok. I want people to watch me. Maybe I can sell my, my services to an advertising uh, company or some way. Um, are there people that polish up people's TikTok presentations? The way our platform works, and my advice to anyone who wants to be famous on our platform, is to just be themselves. Uh, what we have found is that this community, is, is, this community wants real content. They want the real raw content. They want to see people being themselves. So um, the, it, 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 many people tell me it's a breath of fresh air. It's the sunny corner of the internet. So my advice to anyone who wants to be famous is really to be themselves. So recently, Mark Zuckerberg announced at his quarterly earnings, after explaining why the stock went down by 25% as a result of the declining use of Facebook, he attributed to TikTok. And TikTok was becoming a big rival, he said. How did it feel to be blamed by Mark Zuckerberg for the decline in value of Facebook? We are a very young company at this point, and uh, they are still very big competitors in the market. Some of them have been around for a long time with a lot of resources. So the way we look at it, there's still a long way for us to go in terms of achieving the mission that we want to achieve. We think that there are a number of things that makes us unique in the market. The first is that we are pioneers in what we do. We have innovated this form of short video combined with a for you feed. And 
uh, we are confident that in the coming years, we will continue to innovate on that front and bring the best and the most interesting value proposition to our users. So if Mark Zuckerberg were here, would you say, don't worry about us, we're not a big competition to you, or would you say we're coming after you? I think for us, David, we are more focused on ourselves. I think over the long run, the biggest competitor that we have, as cliche as is going to sound, is going to be ourselves. We have a mission, which is to inspire creativity and to bring joy. And we believe that our most important focus is to focus on delivering that mission. But let me ask you this. Uh, most of the large Chinese technology companies, let's say Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent, they have gigantic market values and they're very prominent in China, not as prominent outside of China as obviously in China, and certainly not that prominent in the United States. TikTok, by contrast, is not in China, but it's gigantic outside of China, of the United States and everywhere. What did TikTok do that enabled a Chinese-based company, parent company at least, to do so well outside of China? We think it's challenging to build a global company uh, in general, but the best ones we have seen so far are ones that take very consistent global learnings and adapt them to the local, to, to the local, to the local countries that they are operating in. So you need to be global and local at the same time. And it's something that we're investing in. For example, here in the US, uh, we have a very sizable team here in New York, in Austin, in LA at this point. And uh, becoming more local is something we will continue to invest in. Hey, let's talk about the beginning of, of uh, TikTok. So what is ByteDance? ByteDance was the parent company. When was ByteDance started and who was the founder of ByteDance? Uh, I was very fortunate um, about 10 years ago uh, to, to, have, to have had the chance to participate in the company as an investor. Uh, ByteDance was founded in 2012 by uh, Yiming. And the original, like any good startup story, the original, the original uh, product has evolved over time. And there were many hits and misses you know, as in the evolution of the company. One thing that has remained very consistent for ByteDance is uh, the mission. The mission for ByteDance today is to, is to inspire creativity and to enrich life. And what I've noticed over the course of the decade that I've known the company is that they have been very consistent in wanting to deliver this mission to as many people as possible. And driven by this mission, what, what struck me in the early days of ByteDance was the desire to be mobile, um, the focus on machine learning recommendation, and this desire to be global. And it, it's been very consistent over the last 10 years. I should disclose that my own investment company is an investor in ByteDance. We took an investment a number of years ago in it. I assume it'll be a good investment, I don't know. But uh, let's talk about how TikTok evolved out of ByteDance. And so when did TikTok come along? The original apps that were developed by ByteDance had a very similar concept, which was to recommend content to users based on machine learning, uh, mach machine learning algorithms that, that tries to understand the user's behavior. The first iteration of it that was successful was a news app. So it took news content and it recommended news to users based on their own behavior on the app. Now, Sometime between 2012 and 2016, that evolved into short video, and that evolved into TikTok. And did anybody think it would turn out to be a global phenomenon at the beginning? I, no, no. All right, so let me ask you about uh, TikTok and regulation. Um, under President Trump, there was a concern that certain information that TikTok was getting from people uh, using TikTok was somehow gonna be uh, detrimental to the United States and there was an effort to force TikTok to sell its US business. 
Uh, what happened to that effort? We believe that our approach to all the governments and regulators around the world is to be collaborative and to be very transparent, uh, to be available to explain what we do and who we are and answer any questions that they have. That's the approach we have taken. And um, that approach has been an approach that has been very beneficial for us over the course of the last few years. But there was a proposal at one point that required you to sell the TikTok uh, business in the US. I think it was going to be sold perhaps to uh, Larry Ellison's company, Oracle. Is that off the table now? And right now, you are not being forced to sell anything. Is that right? We have moved beyond that conversation. Okay. And the current administration, the Biden administration, have they picked up the cudgels and said, well, we want to engage in the same fight, or right now, you don't have to worry about that? Again, uh, we are taking the approach now to be very transparent, to be very engaged, very collaborative, and to answer any questions they, that they may have. Okay, but the biggest concern that people had, or at least some people in the Trump administration had, and maybe other people, is that the data that you have on your computers about who's watching what, I presume the data you have, would somehow get fed back to China and China would have it for its use, the Chinese government. Is that true that your data is subject to being given to or you're forced to give it to the Chinese government? We disagree with that. The ways TikTok is set up today, first of all, TikTok is not available for download in China. It operates outside of China. The, datas, the data for TikTok users are, uh, is stored in Virginia and in Singapore with the backup in Singapore. Uh, and we believe that we have a very rigorous and robust system to protect the data security of our users. What do you do with the data? So let's suppose I go on TikTok and I like certain kinds of things to watch. You presumably can, and your algorithms know that. What do you do with that data? Do you sell it to another company or do you do nothing with it? It is our recommendation engine. The best way to think about it is that it's just pure mathematics. It's, it, it, it digests the behavior that our users have on our platform, including likes, you know, what videos do you like, the comments, how long you stay on a particular video, so on and so forth. So signals like behavioral signals like that. And it recommends them. It recommends uh, content that you could potentially be most entertained by. So, so that's really how the, the that's really how the data is being used on our platform. And how many countries are you in now? Uh, outside of China and India, essentially all the other Every countries. Every country. Okay. And today, um, do you have something that's proprietary such that uh, somebody couldn't come along and compete? In other words, there's always people coming along trying to disrupt companies, and that certainly happens a lot in the tech world. Are you worried that somebody's going to come along with a new product that's slightly better than yours, or, or do you think that's unlikely given how dominant you are in the business now? David, this, this is a very competitive space. And in our industry, there are players with like, uh, bigger muscles. They have more resources. They have been around for a longer period of time. And I think it keeps us on our toes. You know, we, have, you know, we have our strengths. We, we are pioneers in this. You know, we believe that we are innovative and we will continue to innovate. And we have a very unique uh, community that we talked about that, uh, that we believe is very special and not easily replicable. So, we have our advantages, we are confident, but at the same time, competition is very intense. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines.
Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, China has been a little tougher, some people would say, on Chinese tech companies than it was a year or two ago. And there's been what some people would say a clampdown on Chinese tech companies. Has that affected you in any way? I think um, in, in, in this uh, day and age, we have to be very collaborative and be very transparent and have an active dialogue with regulators and governments around the world to help them understand our business and to a- answer any questions that they may have. As I mentioned earlier, my, my firm did invest in it, but I don't have any inside information and I don't know if you're going to give me the inside information, but is there any plan to take ByteDance public at some point? Our current focus, given the growth of our company, is to really focus on the business. There is still so much we can do, especially for TikTok, that really our management focus is on growing the business at this point and making sure that we are investing in the right things that we invest in. At some point, we will access the capital markets. At some point, we will. Uh, but that is really not the priority at this point. And when you do go into the public markets, what do you think when your public documents are revealed will be the biggest surprise? If the size of the the platform or the profitability of it? What do you think is likely to be the biggest surprise? That's a very good question. I need to go back and think about it. I, I think uh, most of what we do um, is, is followed and, and many people sort of, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, have a lot of interest in, in our business today. So I'm not sure whether there will be any big surprises. Let's talk about your own background. So you mentioned you're Singaporean. Uh, were you born in Singapore? I am born in Singapore. Okay, and did you go to college and high school in Singapore? The thing about growing up in a small island like Singapore, David, is you get wanderlust at a very young age. It's a tropical paradise. It's a tiny island. I love it, but it's very small. So after high school and after uh, national service, we have national service there. Uh, I you know, went to the UK for college and then subsequently to here in the US for business school where I met my wife. All right, you went to Harvard Business School? I did. And so how did you think Harvard Business School was? Was it smarter, the people there smarter than you thought or not as smart as you thought they'd be? It was a great, I had a great time there. Uh, the most important moment was uh, I met my wife in business school. So to me, this is a, you know, it was a great uh, two years. Okay, so you graduated from Harvard Business School in what year? In 2010. All right, so what did you do then? After business school, I joined an investment company called DST, which uh, invests in internet companies. Is this Yuri Milner's company? Yes. And so what did you do for him? You look for internet-related investments? That's what I did. Okay. And how many years were you there? I was there for about five years. And, and then, it was during this time that I got to meet and, uh, meet and invest in ByteDance. Okay. So after you left Yuri Milner's operation, what did you do? I joined a company called uh, Xiaomi, where I initially was the CFO, and then ran the global operations uh, uh, for the company. Okay, so you did that for a while, and then a headhunter called you up and said, guess what, we want you to come to ByteDance, or how did that happen? It wasn't a headhunter. Um, the, I've stayed very close to the folks at ByteDance because of my early relationship with them. Uh, so they reached out. Uh, there's a little known fact about me, which is I used to be a creator. I actually had 185,000 followers uh, on my account. And so I've you know, had to go through that process of, learning how to connect with my followers and using the product. And it was an amazing way. I, I found the product so amazing in terms of being, being able to communicate the messages I wanted to my followers. So I love the product. I've known the team for a long time. I think that the mission is something that I really truly believe in. So when the opportunity opened up, it was 
very organic for me to, to you have 185,000 followers now I did you did now you've given them up or what do you have now that account was used to sell products so I have uh, since transitioned into sort of a, a more consumer based a, a more sort of personal account all right so you were recruited to become the CFO of ByteDance yes right and you had that job you're the CFO of ByteDance and after just like five weeks they promoted you to be the CEO of TikTok is that right it was after uh, it was after a couple of months. Couple of months, okay. So was that a promotion? I think it's a, the nature of the job is very different. And what is the biggest challenge that you have as the CEO? Is it to keep the regulators away, or to get more customers, more advertisers? What is the biggest challenge? There are a couple of things that um, you know keeps me awake at night. You know, I, I think that's the question. Um, the opportunity that we have, I believe that we have something that's very unique. We pioneered this sort of short video format, and would, uh, we have a very unique community today that has all these kind of raw, authentic content that people love. And I think the opportunity that we have to take this to more people around the world, to inspire them, and for them to bring more joy to more people, this is a great and unique opportunity. It, it, keeps, it keeps me very, very excited. At the same time, there are challenges that we have to work through. For example, making sure that we are investing enough more and more into safety to stay ahead of our growth uh, because it is something that's very important to us. So challenges and opportunities, they you know, both excite me equally. Now, since uh, you took the job of uh, CEO of TikTok, we've been living in COVID. How hard has it been uh, to manage the company during COVID? Have you mostly been isolated or how, how have you been operating during COVID? It has been a challenging time, I think, for many businesses around the world, including ours. Uh, we are a growing company. It is difficult for new employees who are joining us to not have the opportunity to mingle and interact with other people offline in the offices. So uh, it, it is something that, you know, uh, thankfully, we are at the stage of the pandemic where we can start thinking about return to office. Uh, it is something that, you know, we want to provide especially the newcomers in our company, the, the right opportunities to, to integrate and to blend in and to make sure that they have, they, they have the right opportunities to interact with, with as many people as they want. So as you look at TikTok, what is your favorite single thing you've watched on TikTok? Is there one thing you've watched and you said, this is my favorite? Uh, there are a number of them. I, I, I am an amateur golfer, so hashtag golf has 10 billion views or more on, on TikTok. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very entertaining. So if you watch uh, golf on TikTok, do you get to be a better golfer or not necessarily? Unfortunately, not necessarily. Doesn't help. Yes. Okay. When you are not working at TikTok and you're not golfing, is there any outside interest you have or you don't have any outside time for I, those I do. things? I do, I do, I do. I'm, I'm an amateur theoretical physicist, as in I'm reading books on theoretical physics and, and uh, trying to understand it. So th that's something that I love. I've interviewed many people over the years. I've never interviewed anybody who said that they're hobby was amateur theoretical physics, so that must be unusual. Um, so do you regret not becoming the next Albert Einstein or something like that? I, I don't think I have the ability to be that. Um, I hardly understand the mathematics behind some of the more complex theories, but I find it very interesting. So today, as you look forward to what you're going to be doing over the next year or so, what are you most focused on? I'm most focused on trust building. Uh, we are a young company, and I think trust is something that we have to earn uh, through actions. Uh, for example, through our continued investment in safety. Uh, so that is a big focus for me, that we are focused on 
not only growing our business, but earning trust with the right stakeholders around the world uh, along the way. Thanks for listening. To hear more of my interviews, you can subscribe and download my podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.